0: Hi, I'm Shanta Navarro-Perez with the Presidential Living Team, powered by Compass, on a mission to make your real estate goals a reality, with a commitment to exceeding your expectations and dedication to providing concierge service. I'm here to guide you every step of the way. Whether you're buying, investing, or selling in the vibrant Central Florida market, my goal is to ensure your experience is not just smooth, but truly exceptional. Let's turn your real estate dreams into a reality. Hello everyone, my name is Iris Saligero, President and CEO of Net Mortgage. It is an independent mortgage brokerage dedicated to saving you the most money by working with various wholesale banks. Now is the time for you to get your financials in order, to take a look at your credit report, to take a look at your savings, to call the right partner. So they can help you get to that next level and you have to work with somebody that you know like and trust so you call 1-888-462-5310 you can always go to our website www.knitmortgage.com you can always send me a direct email at iris at knitmortgage.com i look forward to speaking
1: Welcome to the Pro Formula Podcast. I'm your host, Tarek Shabazz, and this podcast is all about professional development. So if you're trying to take your professional skills to the next level, you're in the right place. In order for us to be able to continue to bring you this great content, I'm gonna need you to like, subscribe, or hit that bell on our YouTube page. You can also go to our Instagram or you can go to our Facebook account. We look forward to seeing you at our next show. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right. Welcome back to the Pro Formula Podcast. I'm your host, Tark Shabazz, and our podcast here is really a way to help leaders and organizations get the most out of their individual and team performance, and so I am super excited to bring to you all my next guest. Um, she is a, the owner of NIT Mortgage, which stands for Now is the Time Mortgage. She is the Circle of Excellence Award winner. She is a female entrepreneurial powerhouse, and I think she is an inspiration and motivation to anybody. So I want to bring you all my next guest, Ms. Iris Alguro. How you doing, Miss Iris?
0: I'm doing wonderful. Super happy to be here with you.
1: Man, I'm fired up. It's, it's good to see you. It's been some time. Um, what have you been up to?
0: Helping a lot of clients, a lot of people learn about the great things of real estate.
1: How how has real estate transformed your life and and um, and and been a tool that you're using?
0: It has transformed my life because it has given me access to live the life that I've always wanted to to live. But most importantly, it has given me access to be a person of value.
1: Mm. Talk about a person of value. What does is, what is being a person of value mean to you and and uh, how are you bringing value to people's lives?
0: Well, growing up, you know, we didn't have much. So we didn't have a house. We didn't have, an, you know, we only had an apartment. So we didn't understand what was the, what was the benefit of having a property what was the benefit of having equity what was the benefit of investing the benefit of you know having ownership into something that is yours and so now I'm bringing value by being able to teach coach and develop people into learning about how they can also you know purchase homes invest homes have equities build their credit scores open up their own businesses You know, I used to be a personal banker, business specialist, assistant store manager, branch manager for many banks. So I can tell you that everything, all the knowledge that I have, have, I'm more than happy to share it with my clients and people that surround me, my community. I actually had a public speaking event yesterday and I was able to share some of the insights of real estate and it made me feel so happy and so empowered because there were so many faces in the room that looked like me, that looked like you, that were happy and excited to learn. And so that's what I've been up to. Yeah, I think
1: it's I think it's incredible. You know, when I look back at um, when I first met you in high school a thousand years ago, I seemed like not that, old, <laughs> not that, old, not that
0: old. But it, saying I'm old. <laughs> it, it, was,
1: it was it's awesome to see the growth and the progress that you've made throughout your career tell me when you knew that you made it like for me I remember I was running a nonprofit organization the Mile High Bulldog Youth Association and your son was a part of our program for years shout out Brandon I hope you know it's just I hope he's doing well um, but I remember when kids from other programs would say I want to get on your team or people's parents would reach out and say how do I get my son on your team or how do I get my son to be a part of your program and I was just always mind-blowing to me what are some of those uh, things that are happening in your life that are like oh my god i'm making it
0: yes well you know what for me is the fact that i have so many people reaching out to me calling me Mm. uh, people listen i don't even advertise for business and i have real estate agents reaching out to me because they've heard about me nice so there's i have made a name for myself and all the business that i receive is really referral basis word of mouth so, it's it's pretty amazing the way that everything has transpired. And I would say the day that I I felt that I made it was when I just closed so many loans in one month. Because as I mentioned to you before, I, you know I'm terrible about keeping track of how many people I I close, how many loans I do. I keep track of you know I lose track of my numbers. Because I'm not focused on numbers, I'm focused on making an impact and closing the next deal, closing the next deal, so my clients can get the keys to their home. Sure. I'm so focused on that that I forget about the numbers until, of course, you know, the paychecks start coming in. I'm like, oh, oh my, things, are work. out. <laughs> things are working out, things are working out
1: the you you talked a little bit about the reputation that you have developed in the community and having people that have trust in you how important is that reputation and what are some things that you did to really develop that kind of a reputation where people want you to be the the source for their real estate needs and transactions
0: well it's mainly because every loan that i touch i close right and so what's happened is there's so many realtors sometimes that unfortunately they go through situations where a loan does not close three days three days prior to closing they're they're getting a, de, a a denial three days prior to closing so when that happens people say well where should I go and a lot of people are like go talk to Iris go talk to Iris she's gonna figure it out because I'm very solution driven.
1: Yeah. So you've really been able to leverage the expertise that you've had by getting deals closed and, and just by committing and following up on the things that you say you're gonna do. Now the reputation has got there and you got so much business you don't even know how much business you have. Yeah. It, it's um it's interesting that that, you know, this industry is expanding and growing and, and I think it's it's crazy that like interest rates are back up and Talk to us about why people should still purchase a home in this kind of a market, even though interest rates are higher, like why is now the time to purchase a home?
0: I'm gonna tell you why. Because if you are renting right now, you know that 6%, 6 6.5%, it's nothing in comparison to you paying 100% of your rent money Mm. and throwing it away every single month. So now is the time for you to get a home because we don't know if the rates are going to go up, property prices are continuing to go up. So why are you going to wait until the next year or the following year? The following year, hoping and praying that rates get better. Another thing is, I had a client, and this is a, this recently happened to me. The client kept calling, "Hey, I should I buy a house now? Should I buy a house now?" And you just like, "Just do it now! Do it now! Now that you can, you know, you you approve. I want to qualify for more. I want to qualify for more. Okay." So he ended up not buying it. And unfortunately, he ended up getting into an accident Mm. where he became disabled and now he wasn't even able to purchase the house that he originally qualified for, hoping, waiting for the rates to go down. So you never know what life has for you. So why wait? Why continue to wait? Especially when you can now start building equity, now you can own this home. Now, if you need to, you can have you know, some roommates help you pay for the property if you think it's too expensive. You know, you can rent up the basement. You can you can still leverage that now, you know? And you don't have to wait. What, why wait? Waiting for what?
1: It, it seems like you're just talking about creativity. and just finding creative ways to get it done. I think sometimes people lack the creative resources and the ability, where do you get that kind of creative solution-focused mindset? Where does that come from?
0: it comes from the fact that i have i have i invest myself right i own properties myself i have a real estate portfolio so if i in the middle you know in 2020 i purchased one 2022 i purchased another one so it doesn't matter the situation there's always you know even if uh, you know, rates are up, that means that the house value is gonna be down. Take advantage of that. I think what's most important is for people to be prepared, to be financially prepared. And a lot of people lack that, therefore there's fear. But if they know what their credit score is, if they know that they have they have some savings, if they can budget, if they can plan ahead, if they can have a strategic plan. You remember when we did your house for Florida yeah. and your wife reached out. Her nice, I, we started strategically planning exactly what we were going to do to ensure that there was a smooth process. Yeah. No hiccups, no issues. And on the day of closing, you guys received the keys to your home with no problem.
1: Yeah. I, I just want to just give a quick testimony. Um, it was so incredible that you went and got your Florida license because you were dealing with us. And it was like, we, I wouldn't say inspired you, but. You had a you had business that was in the state of Florida, and you didn't want anything not having a license was definitely going to be the last thing that was going to stop you. It, it, that that just goes into that kind of solution oriented kind of mindset that you have, and how you always are going to go above and beyond for your clients. That's just amazing.
0: Well, you know what? When I when when I came up with the idea, to me, let me tell you, knit mortgage knit is not just a slogan; it is the belief. Mm that now is the time to make your dreams a reality. Now is the time, and and I truly believe that because everything and anything that I set my mind to, I can accomplish. And ever since I accomplished the first thing, the second thing, the third thing, I've been acknowledging and noticing that I have the capacity to do it. But let me tell you a little bit about your story. When when she reached out, I actually did not have the license to Florida. And I didn't tell her that, I just kept helping her, right? Because while I was doing the process, what I did as soon as I hung up the phone is I tried to figure out what's the quickest way for me to get this license. I start taking the test, we start working on it immediately because number one, I was honored that your family, that you and your wife were reaching out to me. I I was truly honored. I was like, they thought of me, they trust me to be able to do you know, their loans, so I am going to come through for them and I'm gonna do everything I can to save them money and to make their dream a reality. And I was so grateful for the way that you guys trusted me that I hustled to get that license. And before you know it, I was already in Florida. But I also had plan B. You know, I had plan B. I spoke with you know the owner of my company prior to and I was like, listen, if I can get my license ahead of time. What's plan B? So I did have plan B set up right.
1: for the just in case. No, but, but what I think is is really valuable is you don't always have the answer. Correct. But you were willing to do the work anyway. Correct. Th- there was never a moment that we didn't know if we were gonna close. It was like, you removed any kind of worry from our mind. And, and I think, for those professionals who are really trying to grow and take themselves to the next level, you just need to get started. Yes, the phone is ringing. Somebody wants your help, and it's not like, well, let me see if I can help you. You just okay. were like, let's get going. Like, here's some documents. I'm gonna get those sent over to you. Get this stuff sent over, sent back to us. And so, I thought that was really incredible, and I, and I think that inside of there is a real true story. Is that. I don't have all the answers, and yes. I don't necessarily need all the answers at this exact moment, but what I do have is the belief that I'm gonna get it done, and I yes. think that, that's, that's who you are.
0: Yes, and that that's what I'm telling you, mortgage is not just a slogan, it is the belief that now is the time to make your dreams go true, whatever that is. And for me, I believe in my head and in my heart that I am an unstoppable woman.
1: Mm. I believe in my heart that you're an unstoppable woman too. That's no question about it. Um, I, I kind of I like to, you know, ask this question in terms of like, if you were talking to ten year old Iris, you know, or if ten year old Iris was talking to you, let's let's look at it from that perspective. What would ten year old Iris think about the life that you've created for you and your family? Ten year
0: uh, ten year old Iris would be in disbelief. Mm because 10 year old Iris, at 10 years old I was actually in transition. I was actually moving from El Salvador to the States. Okay. So I came to the States when I was 10 years old. And in that period, I would not have even thought of because my only dream at that point was to meet my mom for the first time.
1: You hadn't met your mom up to the point that you were 10 years old? That's correct. Where was she and where were you and why hadn't you all had that meeting?
0: So back in 1980, when I was born, is when all the war in turmoil was happening in El Salvador. Okay. So my family was, after they gave birth to me, they were literally walking over dead bodies to get to my grandmother's home Mm. so they could eat. So what happened is they ended up leaving me with my grandmother, my grandparents, and they ended up fleeing the country. Mm. So I never got to see my parents again, since I was a baby.
1: Wow. I don't think I I don't think I ever knew that. And all the time that I've known you, I don't think I ever knew um, that that story. Let's talk about pre-America. Cause it sounds like 10 years old, that's when you came to the States. Let's talk about before you got to the States, what was life like at that time? How are you all living? I heard you say there was turmoil, and there was war and conflict. But how was life for you as uh, as a as a child growing up in El Salvador?
0: You know what? Here is what's funny: that even though we were poor, even though we didn't even have a fridge at some point, it it didn't matter. We were, I was a happy child. I was very happy with nothing. I didn't get my first doll or my first toy. I think until I was like
1: eight or nine. Eight or nine years old, you got your first toy. Yeah. What What did you do for fun? Like, what were things that you all did to oh, have a good time and, 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 and enjoy your childhood?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was like, I mean, we would go with like my friends to like to jump rope or, you know, I would borrow their stuff. You know, they were very gracious okay. to let me borrow like their ball and we would play a little soccer or like, you know, we call them chintas there, which is like a little ball with, I forgot, jacks? Like this. Jacks, yeah. Like, oh, ja- I got you. Yeah. yeah, like you throw the ball and then, yep. so I would borrow mm. their toys and they give it back, but I never had my own.
1: Yeah, Now I, I grew up in the inner city, you know where I grew up, I grew up in North Aurora, and um, I always think, you know, my family, we didn't have much money, you know, but we weren't poor and we, we, they had love and knowledge. I mean, my parents and family was huge on love and huge on knowledge and information. What is poor like in El Salvador? How do you compare poor North Aurora versus poor in El Salvador?
0: I mean, I I see kids here, for instance, they get, you know, they get to go to McDonald's. I mean, McDonald's. I never went to McDonald's even until I was ten years old and I came to the states. I didn't know that was too expensive for us. Mm. So it was, you know, it, I mean, it was, I don't know how to explain it because it was, yeah, we were financially poor, but it I was never my focus because my grandmother used to put a little apron on me and she used to take me to the flea market to work with her. So I was busy working, you know, I was busy negotiating with clients and, and selling things and that was fun to me. You know by the time by the end of the day we were happy that we made enough money so we could go get a meal you know so grandma could go cook you know so to be honest with you i was never a, like i was never sad you know or i never even knew or thought that i was poor
1: mm.
0: i never thought i was poor because no, the word poor was never in the in the in the dictionary for me it was just survival mm.
1: so you're, you're... At I mean, as a kid, you're selling at the flea market. What were some of the things that you were selling and you talk about these negotiation skills, which you guys, if you don't know Iris, this girl is a master negotiator. Um, what were some of the things that you all were selling in the flea market?
0: We were sell, selling clothes. We were selling um, when it was time for p- kids to go back to school. We would sell books and supplies, you know, for people, for kids to go back to school during Christmas, we would get, yeah, we would sell um, like the, Uh, Christmas cards Mm. and it was fun it it was for me it was so much fun because I was a part of something big because my grandmother made me feel special my grandpa would make me feel special because every time I would sell something they would give me a high five because I started selling when I was eight so receiving that half high five and that reassurance from them that they were proud of me that was us my excitement
1: I was, I was encouraged. I, we have similar, I mean, we, I wasn't doing it for survival. So I don't want to even act like I was on that level. It was not for survival, but uh, I can remember, you know, needing to raise money so that we can go out of town to run track. And um, they would give us these world's finest chocolate bars and it, it would be 50 in a box. And I would just sell three, four boxes, you know, a day. I'm not joking. I would go <laughs> door to door. And my sister would like, Tark, you're going to be the spokesperson and you just say it and I'll be there with you and I'll smile but I'm not going to say anything and I didn't, I don't want to be a part of uh, any of the selling or I would be, you know, doing a paper or a paper out when I was a kid, uh, things like that and I, I could just remember I was always the person that they would put in front of people and say, Tark, you do the talking and then as you get the talking going on, what were some of the skills that you were developing? Like when you look back and you say, man, I was developing this different talent, or I'm developing these different skills. What were some of those skills and talents that you were developing at that age?
0: It was sales skills. It was communication skills. It was the trade, you know, learning commerce, Mm. learning how to count money, Okay. you know, how does money work? You know, I was learning it at an early age, being able to even go spend the money that I was earning because my grandma would give me maybe a little commission, not a lot, you know, but she'd be like, oh, was, you know, you earned, you know, an X amount today. It was not a lot, maybe a few quarters, you know, but it was enough to get me motivated and hyped for the next day because I felt like I had accomplished something. And I think maybe it wasn't even a bonus, but it was like, here, so you can go get a fruit or something that you want, but it made me happy. Yeah,
1: and it's, it's funny that you're like, you're learning those skills, but I'm, I'm also thinking you're learning human behavior at a young age, you know, talk to me about like some of the sales the techniques that you may have developed as a kid that you're still finding yourself like, man, I've been doing that my whole life. Like, are there things that you could think of that you're like, man, I used to do this when I was younger and I still find myself doing this in my sales capacity these days? Yes. You know what it
0: was? I've learned to read people. Mm. I learn like the faces, right like like as a kid it's like the face tells me a lot your facial expressions. So it was uh, I'm mad, I don't like that price or oh that doesn't sound too bad you know <laughs> I, I, at a young age I was reading facial expressions mm. because it was important for me to try to grasp understand if I was if I had an opportunity to sell you more or if i was tapped out you know i wanted to know a little bit more but i also learned the importance of making people feel important mm. because at an early age i realized that every time i paid attention to someone they liked that every time i complimented something genuinely that i liked, that even they were wearing or they were saying yeah. they actually appreciated that yeah. so that is something that i still use today
1: I can remember like, one of one of my gifts I think when I was a kid and I was doing the selling was, I was really easily able to connect with people. Yes. Like I had this ability to connect on a level that would be like, I'd look around, even in sales to this day, I look around on their desk, oh, they got a 49ers thing. Okay, so did you grow up in California? Or what What, what drew, drew you to the 49ers? I had a cousin that <laughs> played for the 49ers. And so I was always oh, trying wow. to find a way to relate to people and then I would use that relatability to them to like disarm them. I was always disarming people. Yes. And, and I think that, you know, just hearing you say, man, I'm looking at facial expressions. I'm thinking about that as a kid and I'm like, I, I bet she was really, really excellent at that. How uh, were sales? Were you were you a powerhouse salesperson? Yes. right away? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: It was I had a rough of course at the beginning. It was kind of rough because. My be I mean, like how much did you sell that for and i would tell her. she's like no you gave it almost for free like you can't do that i'm like oh my god so the next day i was like okay i sell it for that and then i was looking for the proud moment mm. i was looking for like you know i would sell it for the price that she would ask me to and i was looking for the proud moment of her saying yes you got it for that and they didn't negotiate beneath that so in order for me to get that i would i would start with the higher price okay so if it was like in example two dollars i would be like oh it's 350 you know because i knew they were gonna be working me the way down so i i, I wanted to make grandma proud and be able to say i got it for two dollars you know an example two dollars yeah. there, there wow. were pesos at the time although Salvador's currency is now u.s it's the american dollar
1: awesome let's uh, let's talk about getting to america and yes you, and you got to america you're 10 years old so i would imagine you're probably fourth or fifth grade uh, around that time how easy was the transition or hard was the transition um, going from a, a predominantly Spanish-speaking country now to a, a, a gringo, you know, English-speaking uh, culture.
0: But even now, it was really tough because even though I was in a Spanish neighborhood, my Spanish is not the same okay. as for a Mexican person, okay. right? It's El Salvador, it's more Salvadoran, what they call uh, shrimp camarones, I would call them chacalines. Mm. So it was different words for a lot of things, so it was, it was hard for me to, you know, learn like it to be to make friends, you know, they they all spoke English, and some of them spoke Spanish too, but it was it was challenging to be able to connect because I didn't know how to connect with them, you know, and also I would get made fun of because even, you know, same race they would tell me to go back to my country. So, I experienced a lot a lot of setbacks um you know, I remember not being able to do my homework because it was all in English, yeah. and the teacher just slammed the the table and looked at me and was like, "Do your homework, do you understand?" and I was like just looking at her eyes just. And like, no, I
1: don't understand
0: No, I'm no English, like, (laughs) at all. (laughs) So I had this little girl, Isabel. I remember her standing up and coming over and translating. So they ended up getting a, Miss Beltran was a teacher that they came, they got an ESL teacher that she would come in the back and she would follow along as they were teaching the class. And so the fact that they were able to provide that for me was very essential because slowly I was getting it, you know, but it was tough and it was intimidating.
1: All right. Thank you all for joining the show. Just a quick reminder if you like the content that you're receiving and you want to help us out, we really would appreciate that. If you want to help, you can go to our Cash App, which is dollar sign the pro formula, or you can go to our Patreon account, which is patreon.com slash the pro formula. Thank you so much. Your support means the world to us. Talk, talk to me about the kind of student that you were. were you, did you excel in, in academics? were you, I mean obviously there's a language barrier. you got those things that you got to overcome. but once you started getting into the school system, was it simple for you? or, or did you have to work hard to get good grades? or did, what, did you get good grades?
0: I was not the best <laughs> student, you know, as I was getting older and I was starting to learn, I would get a little bit better and I would pass, you know, my classes. I was, I was an okay student. Okay. Um, then I remember, you know, I went to Central High School.
1: Aurora Central, shout out to the Trojans, <laughs> what's happening?
0: Went to Central and I remember that, you know, freshman, I was still not good. I was not doing that well. And, um, I was kicked out of the house at the age of 15 because um, you know we had a little bit of um, challenges at home, you know. So my uncle Oscar took me in. Uh-huh. So he took me in I moved in with him. and at that point, now there was more a supervisor, right. Now he was different. he was a whole different story. he was very loving. He was very kind he was very supporting supportive but he was no joke smoke like he was like you're gonna bring me good grades like you're gonna do this like he was pretty and, and he would always you know encourage me to do better and so i remember one time you know he went to school and he didn't see the best grades and he was like iris if you don't get it together and if you don't do this this is enough he was like, you're gonna be in, million, in trouble from A through Z. You know, I was, was, he was, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. So I went back to school the next day and I was like, I, I had a serious conversation with all my teachers. And I was like, listen. <laughs> Uncle,
1: Oscar, Uncle Oscar ain't playing. I gotta see you help, me. help me please.
0: I read his facial expression, and that facial expression said he is not playing with me. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to then, instead of wanting to sit in the back, you know, I started sitting in the front, mm. and I started to uh, change the group of friends that I was that I was originally um, dealing with. In um, I started, I got myself into the swim. I ended up in the swim team. Okay. Um, I got myself in the speech team. And I started, you know, associating myself with kids that I felt were, you know, they were more easy going. They were going somewhere. They had more value, you know. They weren't going to get me in trouble, you know. So I started shifting my my mindset because Uncle Oscar said to me, Iris, as a Spanish, Latina female, you need to understand one thing. He said, you need to be, I want you, when you get older, to be with somebody because you love them, not because you need them. He said, in the way that you're going, you're going to need somebody in order for you to survive.
1: This is Marcus Richardson, President and CEO of Rich Group Financial. We look forward to working with you and helping serve you in the financial service arena. So what that really means is we're going to be able to help you with life insurance for your mortgage protection, make sure that's taken care of when you pass. We're also going to be able to help you for your final expenses to make sure your burial and things like that are taken care of. We also are able to help you with retirement. So if you are losing money in the market and you want to stop losing money, you don't want to keep losing money, we can help you with that. And we also can help you with Medicare. So if you want to make sure you got all that taken care of, please reach out to Rich Group Financial. You can find us at richgroupfinancial.com or you can also send us an email at richgroup28 at gmail.com and we'd love to serve you and help you and bring you into the family.
0: So that's the reason why I was like, okay. So I really need to get it together. I need to start associating myself with better with better friends. And I remember that his belief in me was so deep, like I could see through his facial expression, through his actions, Mm -hmm. that he loved me. You know, I felt it. I felt that his love, and then when I felt that connection with him, it was, I'm not gonna let him down. I am going to do everything that I can to make him proud.
1: Mm. All right, so from the swim team, um, like, did you start becoming a good student at that point? Or was you still just kind of a, a marginal student at that time?
0: I was still, I was still, I was a better student. I became a better student. He turned into
1: a better
0: student. He turned me into a better student. <laughs> I, I was showing up on time. I was doing my homework. I was doing everything that I needed to do to stay on his good side. <laughs>
1: okay. That's awesome. And then um, let's transition into like the professional life. What were some of the first jobs that you had, you know, as a grown-up and as an adult? And then, how did that turn you into this mega real estate broker that you are these days?
0: You know, I was, uh, I was a, I used to push carts. That was my first job. Nice. Then I was a cashier. Okay. And um, I then I became a supervisor at the place of work, and at some point. Um, I saw somebody, one of my dear friends, got a $10,000 check. It was what he had made that, you know, that week. And I was like, how did you do that? (laughs) And he was like, oh, I'm I'm in real estate. I'm like, really, what do you do? (laughs) What exactly do you do? And so he starts telling me about it. I'm like, huh. Because at that point, there had been a lady that was off. I was off that day, and remember that they asked me to step in to cover her for to sell executive membership cards. Okay. And I started excelling at selling those. I was like, "Ooh, I'm doing good," you know. But I like her getting was a good pat in the back. Iris, you're gonna have to do this again next week. Iris, you're doing great, you know.
1: But not the money. That but nobody was, was giving me those no money.
0: I was like, "Yes, that's exactly." It. I'm like. I didn't a pat on the back. They were offering me food, like, we're well, gonna go get you some shrimp, you know? Because people started finding out that I like shrimp. So they were like, we're gonna get you some shrimp, we're gonna get you some stuff. And I was like, how oh, wanna make money? So I told my friend, I said, listen, why don't you give me an interview? And he was like, how, how do I get you an interview? He was like, oh, you know what? I can though, there's a party coming up. He was like, you can come and you can meet them. And I was like, Sign me up for that party. So Wayne, I showed up, met his boss, started talking
1: to him, and he hired me. Iris, I, you ooze confidence to me. I mean, when I hear your story as an eight-year-old negotiating, then you you come to a country where you don't even speak the language. Where in the world do you get this inner belief that I can do more, I can be more? Because in all, with all due respect, you you grew up in poverty in El Salvador. Yes. Where did How did you see that I'm going to be able to turn myself into that? Like, where does this confidence and this belief come from?
0: Well, one, it was the fact that I would see other people have certain things, but I also knew that I had nobody else to lean on yeah. but myself. And especially when I gave birth to my son at age 22. So when it was just him and I, and I was looking for love in all the wrong places, okay. it's when I realized that my number, my number one thing that I needed to do was to focus on myself. Okay. And I'm gonna tell you, you wanna know who my real hero is? Who I've always aspired and looked up to is the one and only Oprah Winfrey.
1: Mm.
0: I used to watch her shows like, like I was about to watch like the biggest special. It was like my hype of the day. Every time I would see those shows, the way she moved, the way she talked, the way how loving, how kind, her presence. I, I just wanted to meet her. I was like, I love you. Oprah, I love you. Because her and I have a bit of a similar story. I don't want to talk about today, but we have a similar story on some stuff that I just gravitated to her. And I so I, watching her and having my son and knowing that I was raising my son as a single mom, right? Because of all these things, my biggest motivation, my biggest, like what, turned everything in my head was... When I, when I gave birth to my son and, and I looked at him at the hospital and I said, I am never gonna let you down because I love you more than you can imagine. I didn't know a human can love this much. So my inspiration immediately became my son. I have to make this kid proud. And I also cannot be a hypocrite, right? I cannot tell him To be all the best that he can be, I can't tell him to go learn, go to school, and learn something new and and be this high parent if I cannot do it. I wanted him to be able to look up to me. So how is he going to look up to me if I'm not doing more?
1: You know what I I hear you talking about is your why. Yes. So often, um, you know, when I'm talking to successful, you know, entrepreneurs or business owners or uh, even athletes, I hear that they had a why. Yes. And if you're walking around this world and you don't know why you're doing something, yes, you're never going to get where you're trying to go. But it sounds yes. like when your son Brandon was born, the why intensified because you yes. were already going to do great things. Yes. But then you made a promise to him that you ultimately said, okay, I've got to live out what I'm what I'm doing. Yes. Okay. So, so you got into real estate. Yes. The guy showed you that you could do, you know, this is how it looks. Did you immediately...
0: Yes, and then I get hired, and wasn't even there for a month, and the company shuts down. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I'm so prideful that I didn't want to go back to where I had just quit from, right? Mm. So I knew I had to provide a check. I just didn't know where to go, where to call, or what to do. So <laughs> I went knocking at the door of a dealership. And i started selling cars
1: <laughs> so started the real estate that didn't take off you got matter of fact they closed the door <laughs> now let me get into car sales how'd you do in car sales
0: i crushed it i did <laughs> great but it was funny because they didn't want to give me the job because they said they they asked me a, an honest question they said do you know about cars and i said i don't know about cars but i know about people and people do business with people who they know, like, and trust.
1: Hmm.
0: I said, so what I'm asking you for is an opportunity to show you what I'm capable of doing.
1: You guys, I don't know if you're catching this, but this is another <laughs> example of this woman not knowing what she's doing, not having a, a plan on what she's doing, but she is likable, she's knowledgeable, and people trust her, and that seems to be your secret sauce. Yes. Is that, am I, like, yes. down the right path? Yes. It, it seems like that is, is like, the story of your life, like man, I didn't know didn't know what I was gonna do. So you crush it in in car sales. What got you back into real estate?
0: Because the guy upset me at the dealership. Like one of the managers upset me because it was time I I ended up finding out that the guys were getting paid more than me. Wow. And that upset me. So I I didn't tell anybody, but I did say, hey, listen, I cannot. Can we have a conversation? I said, I would like to figure out a way that I can make more money. And they said, well, no, sweetheart, at this point you can't, but what we can do for you is how about every time you sell a car, we put a hundred dollars under your son's name. And um, we started creating a savings account for him. And I said, I appreciate that. Let me think about it. So I walked out and there's some guy, his name's Reggie. He's still here in Colorado. Reggie was so kind and so wonderful to give me a ride, to go pick up my son at the babysitter's and I never went back. I ended up going to another dealership to try to change the luck, it didn't happen. At the other dealership, something happened with another guy that upset me because he was asking me to get in the car to go get lunch and he was gonna be my mentor and I didn't, it didn't feel good the way that he asked me. Okay. And so, quit that day and I went and I applied at Wells Fargo Bank. And I remember Tracy (laughs) hired me because I was in a room full of people and they were looking to get, they said, a banker. And they, but I had to earn my spot. And so they said, well, we're gonna go ahead and have some people sell something that they're good at selling, you know? And so I started, I was like, oh, I can sell the membership you know, the, the Costco membership. So I went and I was selling the Costco membership and all this, I was overcoming objections and they said, yep, we want her. Mm. So they hired me and the day that I showed up to the first class for Costco, the, the Wells Fargo class, I remember the guy that was sitting there that was also in the interview, he said, oh my God, I after your interview, like I didn't think that I was gonna get called in here. <laughs> he said, I'm so happy you both, like we both made it, like he was like, Thank you. Like, this is so cool. And then we became friends and everything was cool. But what happened is that I was so hungry to prove myself, but to prove to people that I had this. I had it. Like, there was nothing because my why was waiting for me because I needed to put diapers. I need to get diapers. I need to get formula. I needed I needed to help. I needed to get, put him in daycare. Finding daycare was tough. I remember taking him to daycare at one time, not even daycare, to this lady who babysat him, and I found him bruised. And I found him, like, they had not fed him, you know? So I'm, like, he's over here, like, sucking on the bottle when I fed it to him. And, like, that hurt. I think that pain was driving me into becoming more of a beast.
1: Mm.
0: It was like... it it was It, it was like the more pain and the more obstacles that I was I was up I was taking in it was like the more it upset I would get and the more I would tell myself watch me go in there and watch me be better. Watch me be great. I'm gonna be better today to tomorrow than I was today and then the next day and the next day and I almost became a workaholic. Like I was just in if if I was competing against amazing guys. <laughs> I wanted to always make sure that I made a statement. And I. And one thing I learned is that people lie, mm-hmm. but numbers don't. Mm. So my numbers on paper had to be great because if there was a spot that was coming up at any position, I would always make sure that I was, that was a thought in somebody's head. I was going to be, become a personal banker, business specialist, assistant manager, branch manager. And I was looking, I was climbing, and I was climbing like I was being chased. I was ferocious about it. But it's because my why.
1: I don't, I don't, I'm getting inspired. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't, one, I don't ever want to get on Iris's bad side. If you get on the bad side, it's trouble for you. But the other thing is, that girl is. I mean, I'm seeing here right now. It's just energy oozing off her. She's she's little and compact, but this girl is packing a bite. That's that's awesome. Um, I, I love I love y- your story. I want to help people that are trying to get to this next place understand. What is your schedule like? Do you mind sharing what what, what a day in your life is like? Like, <laughs> um, I wake up in the
0: morning.
1: What time you usually up? You early riser, or late? I'm riser. I'm
0: an early riser. I mean, it's sometimes five a.m. Um, you know, I just wake up, brush my teeth, get ready, and I go downstairs. I grab you know a cup of coffee. I grab a little bite to eat, and I'm straight going to the office. And I'm a starting. You know, if I didn't do my, I didn't finish my to-do list the night before, I'll do it first thing as soon as I wake up and I have to do my to-do list because I need to tackle each and everything that's on my to-do list, it has to get done. There's no way around it, it has to get done. Whether I am delegating, whether I am, you know, I I have my to-do list and that to-do list has to be finished by the end of the day.
1: Okay. So you were used to only being responsible for yourself. Yes. But now you're responsible for a team. Yes. How are you transitioning, and what's that transition been like? That now I'm the one that's responsible for payroll. I'm the one responsible for making sure that people are able to feed their families. Where before you were just looking after you, like making sure that you was going as hard as you could. How is it now you transition into being the boss?
0: Because I read a book. It's called It's called The Shipbuilder.
1: The ship. Builder. The
0: shipbuilder.
1: Check that book out, y'all. The shipbuilder.
0: <laughs> it's very small, and it's actually very powerful. And it talks about leadership. And so it gives you, you know, steps of of some of the things that you gotta do. But the one that resonated the most for me is that in order for you to lead, you have to love them first. Mm -hmm. So everybody on my team, they're not just a number, they're just not a face. I love them. Mm -hmm. I love them and in order for me to ensure their success, it means I have to hustle harder. Because before I was just responsible for to make my money and I make good money. So, and I have good savings and I'm very financially responsible. So my hustle was still there, but now it's even more, it's magnified because I need to make sure that everybody's eating and I do incentives that they make more money. I look for ways that they can make extra money that I can give to to what what I call the bonus rounds, you know, because. You know, I'd like to, I want them to be able to work as hard as me, but I'm, I understand that they're not going to work as hard as me because at the end of the day, it's, it's my business. But I notice with each and every one of them that they put forth so much that goes into it because I realize that by me loving them, they love me back. And so they want to see me succeed.
1: You know, when I was a young leader, um, I was what they call a charismatic leader. Yeah. Charismatic leaders bring energy and they inspire people and the poor, the bad thing about charismatic leaders is when they leave the building, there goes the inspiration. There goes the motivation. There goes the, the you know, that camaraderie and, and those good feelings. And so as I've grown in my leadership, I've become a servant leader, which it sounds like that's the leadership style that you employ, which is endear yourself to your team yes. and love your team. And then you'll notice that as you pour into them, they're pouring more into you yes. and they're bringing more into you. Are you, are, are you noticing that? Same I, thing, I see it, you love your team?
0: I see it, I see it, I see it because you know what? I can tell you each and every one in my team is a boss in their own right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I am also, people know I'm also tough. I would say like, I want things to get done and I'm also very solution-driven, so I want them to hustle. But because they already know what my expectations are, right, because, of the, because I lead. This is what I'm doing, this is how I do it. And I share, hey, I got some meetings going on and with this, I'm gonna be having a speaking event, I'm gonna be doing, so, and the fact that even there's a specific female on the team that she's like, oh, I say just, look, I, you know, I, I look up to you, but, I've explained to her that I look up to her too, because I recognize that she may not have the skills that I have, but I don't have the skills that she has. Mm-hmm. I am aware that they each bring value to the table. Yeah. And so that's, that's great. That's how we, that's how we're doing it. And that's why you go and you do, you do your loan at net mortgage because there's nothing but bosses <laughs> in the company.
1: Love it. Um, kind of the, just this piece, I, I want to just help that mortgage broker or that, that that lender that's like man i don't have iris's connection i don't have her following like what is just one or two pieces of advice that you will provide them or offer them and say yo if you want to get your bag up this is how you can get your bag up
0: this is it you want to know the true secret to that is put the client's best interest before your own Mm. and if you do that you're going to win every time
1: isn't that easier said than done though like or, or is it easy to put your client's interest ahead of your own?
0: When you make it a habit, it's easy. But i am always, you know, I, you know, I, I don't read books, I hear books, right? I'm, you know, I listen to a lot of books. And therefore, I am, I'm aware that clients go first. If I, I cannot get to the next step if I don't put them first so the same client will refer me business over and over and over again and i do the same thing over and over and over again and more business continues to come so um word of mouth is what brings me more business but it's because i truly do care about the clients they're not just a number to me i know each and every one of the families and you know i talk with everybody to respect not like from from the head of household to the little baby, they're all equally, they're all so important. They're a unit, and I see a family. I see I see them. I think that's really what happens. I connect with people because I see them.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, this is the, the last uh, part of my show, and I call it end the debate. Yes. We're all in the world always debating about things, so these are the things. I just want you to answer the first answer that comes to mind. I don't want you to try to psychoanalyze it and think. <laughs> Just let me know where, where your heart is at. Um, you down to go and play this game with me? Let's it. All right. So, salsa music or 80s and 90s R&B?
0: Salsa music all day.
1: Salsa all day long.
0: I'm yeah. a good dancer.
1: <laughs> okay. Now, um, American football or the world's football? Soccer. <laughs> okay, she she had to think about that when she was like, Hold
0: on. I love football, don't get me wrong. I love Super Bowl, I love football, go Broncos all day. You know, but soccer is passion, you know, where I'm from soccer, soccer is the deal. Like soccer is so much passion.
1: Las Vegas or a mountain retreat?
0: A mountain retreat.
1: Okay. Last one is a uh, spa day with the girls or a night on, out on the town with your man? With my man. <laughs> I think you all saw the exact same thing I felt. She wants to go for girls, but she knew what that right answer was. I tried to trip her up, but that girl is a professional. I love that. Um, for anybody that might be thinking about getting a mortgage um, or they don't know what to do, like talk to them and tell them, why now is the time, and what they're gonna get when they call you.
0: Now is the time. Hello, everyone. My name is Iris Saleguero, President and CEO of Net Mortgage. It is an independent mortgage brokerage dedicated to saving you the most money by working with various wholesale banks. Now is the time for you to get your financials in order take a look at your credit report, to take a look at your savings, to call the right partner so they can help you get to that next level. And you have to work with somebody that you know, like, and trust.
1: (laughs) How do I get a hold of yours?
0: Yes, so you call 1-888-462-5310. You can always go to our website, www.nitmortgage.com. You can always send me a direct email at iris at netmortgage.com. I look forward to speaking with you.
1: Awesome. Well, that wraps up another episode, um, and we can't wait to talk to you all at the next episode. Thank you. We'll see you back next time.